Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast, it is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life and what next steps do you want to take to get there. And I'm your host, Darren Johnson. Welcome to episode 100. I don't look at it as, I don't want to over-celebrate, but the fact that we reach 100, not many podcasts reach this milestone and I view it as a milestone. This is our first 100 episodes. I want to thank you for being along for the ride. If this is your first time listening in, welcome to you. You joined us at a perfect time. And if you've been here since the beginning, I've had so many messages from I Dare You podcast listeners indicating they too are excited about 100 episodes. And uh, I love that. You should be happy and excited and proud. This is a great community that we have here. And so I want to thank you for tuning in week after week. Wherever you find yourself, I, I would invite you to subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss an episode. And also follow us on Instagram, at IDareYouPod. What a great community. Best way to communicate with me. I get back to all my DMs. Valuable content you can put into use and video snippets of our interviews, including this one in episode 100. Now, you might be asking, you should be asking, okay, episode 100, who in the world would Darren select to have as the guest for episode 100? I mean, I can't mess this up. I mean, you have expectations. I know I have expectations. Who's it going to be? Well, I'm honored to let you know that our guest for episode 100 is none other than Jasmine Starr. Now, many of you know Jasmine. She's a force. A little bit about Jasmine. She's a, she's a CEO. She's a business strategist, also a speaker, a top-rated podcast host, also a busy mom. One of the many accolades for Jasmine is that she was named in Success Magazine's Success 25 as one of the most inspiring leaders in business and personal development to watch in 2022, alongside Gary Vaynerchuk, Tony Robbins, Brene Brown, and more of her industry peers. Not bad company. In addition, she hosts the Jasmine Star Show podcast, wildly popular. You should go there right after you binge listen to everything in I Dare You podcast. Her goal, pretty simple. It's rooted in the desire to help people build the future they want and to help them see their own potential regardless of whatever stands in their way. My goodness, that sounds like I dare you, doesn't it? What can you expect to learn? A lot. Some tactical tips and insights into mindset and a step-by-step plan to empower you, and especially entrepreneurs, to build a brand, to market it on social media, and to create a life that you love. Now, if there's ever a time to talk about how to show up bigger in business and in life, now's the time. And we have the perfect guest to take us there. Welcome to episode 100. Without waiting any longer, here, everyone, is my conversation with Jasmine Starr. Jasmine, welcome to the podcast. It's really good having you here. You know what? I believe in perfect timing, and now is that moment. Thank you for the honor and privilege of this great conversation. I appreciate you. So, Jasmine, many people know who you are. You have a massive following. You've touched thousands of lives all around the world. For those who don't know, take us back. How did you land in your current vocation? I can't wait. So I'm going to give the nutshell version. And as the conversation progresses, I think we can tap at different areas to what you think is going to best serve listeners. And so the the main takeaway, it's like, I always like to start like those film noir. I like to start with the end at the beginning, right? So where I am right now, I want everybody to listen and be able to find themselves somewhere in the story. My goal is to simply share a story of somebody who was unqualified, unfunded, unconnected, and uneducated. So for all intents and purposes, I should not have started a business. And yet here I am. So I dropped out of law school when my mom had a relapse with brain cancer. And it was at that time that I started realizing that life is short. And what did I actually want to do? If I had all the money and all the time and all the resources in the world, what would I actually do? 
And the answer to that question was to become a photographer. And when I told my husband, who I just married at that time, what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be, he said, okay, but you don't have a camera. And I looked at it across me and I was like, I know I don't have a camera, but I think if I got it, I could do something with it. And it's with that boldness and stupidity and audacity and courage that I have faced every single iteration of my career. So yes, I started off as a photographer and then I started teaching other photographers how to grow businesses. And then I started creating ways to teach other creative entrepreneurs and how to start a business. And then I started creating digital assets. And then I started creating content. And then I was being paid to create content for other companies that would create compelling stories. And then I was invited to consult with these companies on how they could pursue marketing and branding. And then I realized I didn't want to have an agency. So then I started creating digital courses, which created another revenue stream for me and opened my eyes to how big the difference was between creating an online business and a business online. Those are two very different things. And so then thereafter, I created a membership for ongoing education and motivation and how to build a brand and market it on social media. And in 2020, knowing nothing about development, knowing nothing about code, knowing nothing about what it means to actually grow a tech department, decided to create a SaaS offering, which is Social Curator. We are our own tech platform and we are integrated with every social platform to empower business owners to market their business and build a brand online. And so that's the nutshell version. And anywhere wow. along that per process, people will be like, that was a lot. And I'm like, it is, but I think life is short. And so how much can we get in and how many, how, how long can we be uncomfortable is, is going to be the goal, how I want to play the game. A lot of bold moves. I mean, why are you doing what you're doing? You could do a lot and you have done a lot, but why are you doing this? I think, you know, for so long, I lived a much quieter life with a much quieter perspective. And I didn't see any issue with living in the shadows. I'm an introvert. I grew up wildly overweight. I'm the daughter of an immigrant. Oh. I was homeschooled until high school. I was always and still wildly remain a wallflower. And then all of a sudden, I realized that after watching my mom go through the battle that she went through and after her second brain surgery, it was New Year's Eve and the doctors did not give her a good prognosis. What she spent most of her time doing was talking about the things that she had not done with her life, not the things she had done. And I thought to myself, I was 25 years old and she was 50. And I thought, if I die in 25 years, what do I want to say? I have at least tried. And then all of a sudden, through the process of trying something and failing, you know, what, what I used to call it failures. I now truly believe they're lessons. And that's not like the Disney Hallmark version of what I should actually be calling. I literally will look back at my life and think that my lowest point, my biggest quote unquote failure was actually the greatest lesson to teach me everything I needed to do later on in my career. So yeah. I believe that through and through. And to be, to be able to make those decisions, to embrace that you will never be successful hundred percent of the time. And quite often it's a hundred, it's 99% of the failures that will lead you to your hundred percent success. And so I started embracing those things. And all of a sudden by doing that, I started realizing that I was living a wildly purposeful life. And I, it was as if my world went from black and white to technicolor. And then all of a sudden on the other side of Oz, I come back to the gray land of like Oklahoma and I'm like, there's something different and there is something better. And could we not just be a little bit uncomfortable to see how much of a change that we can create in our lives, how much more of a purpose, how we can leave this, our families, our legacy, this world better than how we found it. And so now I'm just this crazy Latino who's shouting from the rooftops, like, can you be, can you make a 1% change for 2X difference? If we could do that, then man, we have lived a great life.
That is a great perspective. You know, you talked about, by the way, you are so of what I would call more vulnerable and very candid about some of those learnings you've had in life. What what was your lowest point that really taught you the most looking back on it that's led you to this point? You know, I think that this podcast isn't long enough for that. You know, <laughs> I mean, because what happens, what happens is I think as humans, we're naturally hardwired um, to feel the softest part of the bruise the most recent yeah. bruise we got. I don't think that one is greater than the other, but what I do think is that success leaves clues and proof stacks upon itself. And what I can only say is after every devastating uh, stomach punch, after every time you've been just on your back, staring at the stars being like, I can't get any lower than this, is the ability to get back up and the ability to say, I choose this again. The ability to get back into the ring and say, I am against an opponent that is wildly bigger, stronger, better funded. I mean, this is a Rocky Balboa story. And so if that story compels to us and it's so beautiful and we root for him deeply and desirously, why would we not do that for ourselves when we are the own Rocky of our story? I think it's less of the situation and more making the decision after every single one of those situations. The one they were like, this is it. This is the final thing. This is the thing that took me out. And right. now we sit here and it didn't. Okay. Then that's going to be the, the lesson that we walk away with. You know, I was just, just minutes ago, I was on the phone with a leader. She's an entrepreneur and she's an amazing leader. She's doing all the right things. She has a bruise, a recent setback. She's struggling to get back up and doesn't know if she wants to get back up. And so I was doing my best to coach her through that. What do you find gets in people's way uh, from from taking that as a learning and getting back up and getting back into the fight, what do you see? Well, if I have to convince somebody of something, I've already lost. So I simply say, whatever you choose, this, this setback, this bruise, what I don't want you to say, it was they, them, that. Because what happens is when we point at other things, we allow those other things to be in control and contain power over our lives. And anytime something, someone, an event, a circumstance, a situation has power over you, then the word that you become embodied is powerless. And when you are powerless, you are so much more inclined to falling into the footsteps of feeling like a victim, that it was unjust and it was unfair. And while all of those things are true, and while I'm so desperately sorry that this situation happened to her or anyone listening. I am truly sorry for it. I wish it didn't happen, but it did. And so in order for us to regain our power, we must say, I am choosing not to get back in the ring. I am choosing not to continue building my business. And that is okay. You remain powerful in that decision, but you cannot say, I'm not sure what I want to do and then stay in that state because what happens is resentment begins to foam. And then we say, if that deal had just closed, if that client had that, hadn't said that one thing, if that business loan had gone through, if I just stood in investors and they saw my VC capital, if then, then we remain powerless to remain powerful and simply say, I don't want to get back in the ring and I'm yeah. going to find the next best thing for me. To me, my biggest takeaway in any one of these situations is to own your decision so that you maintain your power. When you're powerful, whatever you do next, you're going to be better suited for. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a wonderful reminder because you can't want it more than someone else Absolutely. does. 
So t- tell me more. What have you seen on that? Because I see it as a pitfall for so many leaders. You know, I, I think that if I am not empowering somebody in my community, a client, if I sit on an advisory board, on my team, in my family, if I am not empowering them or they don't feel like they're living to their best, then it is my objective not to say, I really see this for you. You got it. I need to ask them, what is it you feel called to do? Where are you feeling your highest self? Because if I can facilitate or help them get to there, and then they see a small result, then what my objective is as a coach, as a family member, as a friend, as a team leader, is to stack proof, even if the proof is small. So let's take this down in a very granular, simple example. If somebody wants to make a change in their life, they want to have a better relationship, they want to make more money, they want to make better decisions, then we can start off with something as small to build the ability to stack proof that you're capable of making changes when you say you're going to and follow through with them. And it could be as simple as I'm going to wake up 10 minutes earlier then I want to every single day for 30 days. And most people say, well, that's silly. And then it goes back to the, I'm going to make my bed every day. You making your bed every day does not set you on the path to becoming a millionaire. Not at all. It is the, it is the act that you can follow through on something you say you're going to do. And so waking up early or making your bed or choosing a better thing to eat for lunch every day, these small things stack proof. And the more proof that you stack, the bigger decisions you make along the way. And it is just small micro decisions that you make that ultimately lead to big grand decisions that lead you to greater success. Very good. I love your podcast, by the way. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Great great podcast. I was listening to one of your recent episodes, I believe it was November 28th, and the topic was showing up bigger in life. And one of the things you you talked about right away was how we are, some of us are living a life, not that we want, but it's a life that someone else has designed for us or thinks that we should have. So if I want to play bigger, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, it, it takes different forms. So sometimes we have people in our lives or even things, ideas that make us feel we should live one way or we should be making certain decisions. And sometimes it's very blatant. You can have a very strong partner who has the opinions about what you should do, uh, a life partner, a business partner, a parent, a child who is telling you these things. And then you think that that's who you should become because they see something in you that maybe perhaps you don't see yourself. Or sometimes it takes the form of the should. I should be doing this. I feel Mm -hmm. responsible in this way. And what happens is if we don't start living true to ourselves, then we can't be a living manifestation for what is possible for those around us. So even if we have a strong partner, parent, child, person, friend who sees something, if it is not in our truest self, we will always feel less than or never be able to make that mark up. But if we first define who is it that I want to be, what do I want to do? And then we follow through with those things that people around us begin to say, when he, when she, when they say that, they do that and they become that. You must show people who you truly are and who you can be on your own before they start telling you who they think you should be. And the more we listen to others, the less the less we step into who we should truly be. Like, what is our true power? Who, who are we purposely intended to be? You know, I like how you use the word power and your definition of power. At least I think I know what you mean by power. But power is not a negative negative term. It can be used in a negative way. But it feels like the way you use power is more about something that stepping into who you truly are and don't give it up. Don't ever give up your power. Tell me more about what do you mean by owning your power? There is this beautiful strength and confidence. And I don't know, Darren, have you ever met someone and you know that they are 100% unabashedly themselves? Regardless if they're your cup of tea, 
It doesn't mean that somebody being themselves appeals to everybody. In fact, they might be polarizing. They yes. might not be your cup of tea, but there is this way and beauty of being able to see somebody who says, I'm okay with me. And the energy that it, that emits from other people, if you were to walk into a room, now here's the thing, Darren, when I walk into a room, I want people to like me. I don't care if they do. I want to add value. I don't care if they want to hear it from me. More than anything, a person values another human being that they can trust. So when I walk into a room, I want you to trust me more than I want you to like me. And how then do you trust me in the fastest way when I am 100% who I am? Because then you could start cataloging. This is what humans do. We look at other humans and we size each other up. We first determine, are we safe with this person? What are the intentions of this person? What is the view of this person? So we go all through this so quickly as humans. All I'm trying to do is be 100% me because that is powerful because it allows people to distill who you are, the value you add, your perspective on the world and how you fit into their lives. And I think when I talk about power, it's being 100% you. And being okay with that in standing in your purpose, that is powerful. We see it in others. Why do we not give ourselves the permission to, to possess it ourselves? Profound question. Why don't we give ourselves permission? You talk about standing in your purpose for someone who's listening, who may be drifting a little bit in life and um, not quite sure what next steps to take, especially mm -hmm. as you go into this new year, how does someone really step into their purpose? Give us a couple of action steps. So I mean, I want to be, I want to be very careful because the last thing I want somebody listening to believe is that I wake up and I'm like, ding, I got my purpose. <laughs> I know my purpose. And, um, what I can share Darren is that people find their purpose by way of action. You will never wake up and know your purpose out of the blue. So first preliminary steps, if you're desperately searching for the thing that's going to light you up or what you believe your purpose is is by first looking at one of two people, people who you inspire, who inspire you, you look at them, you love the way that they live their life or their career or how they vacation or what they're doing with charitable organizations or how they make investments. You're inspired by them, but also equally as important is to look at people who you are envious of because envy is a signal that they are doing something deep down. You think, you know, you can do or should be doing mm -hmm. and you're not. So case in point, I don't look at LeBron James and feel envious. I am, I, I admire my goodness. What a talented basketball player and businessman and family man, but envy comes from me believing that I can actually be an NBA player that I can actually possess the same thing he does. Now I might look at somebody else. Like maybe I look at you and your podcast. I get a little envious that, wow, here he is a coach of other entrepreneurs with a successful podcast, a family man can look out his window and see beautiful snow in Idaho, right? I might look at that, but there's something about what it is you're doing that I believe I can or should be doing and I'm not letting myself. So when at first you're kind of like a little bit lost, make a list of people who inspire you, make a little bit, make a list of people who are, you might be envious of, okay, just state it for what it is and then find out what exactly about them inspires you or makes you envious. And then you ask yourself, what things could I do, AKA what actions could I take to see if how they actually are pairs up with what I want to do? You know, only one of two things happen. You either really, really like what it is they do. I might really, I might see what it is you do. I might start a podcast. I might start consulting with other entrepreneurs. And in the middle of it, I might say, 
oh, it's not exactly what I wanted. No problem. But now you're one step closer to figuring out the next thing. Or you really like it. Now you know what to double down on. And the more you do the things that light you up, the more clear you become on your purpose. So we started this conversation and I just said, you know, I just love telling people that life is short. And could we not make a 1% change to get a 2X difference? I, I am saying that 15 years now. Was that my purpose when I first picked up a camera? Was that my first, was that my purpose when I first started consulting with businesses? Absolutely not. Mm. Your purpose changes with you, but the more work and actions you take, the clearer you become on what your purpose is in that moment. This episode about play bigger uh, in life. One thing I did not see coming though, is you made the, <laughs> you made a really strong point about being able to say no. You call yourself the queen of no. You're not the queen of anything except for you're the queen of, of no. But I, I really want to start saying yes to things, Jasmine. I mean, it's all about saying yes to opportunities. And now you're telling me to say no. Help me out. So yes, I am. I am the queen of Noville. And um, the reason I got to this point now, um, probably the caveat I should have, I, I should have added to that episode is there was a time in my life in my career where I was saying, yes, I was saying yes to everything because I was still trying to figure out my purpose, my career, what I was doing. And then all of a sudden I started realizing that I was overextended. Yeah. And my good friend, Rory Vaden says, when you have diluted focus, you get diluted results. And so I got to a, a point in my career, a year four, year five, where I was not getting the same results because I kept on adding different revenue streams, different projects to my business. And so all of a sudden I realized that saying yes was good up until a certain point that I needed to say no to other things that were going to distract me on what was actually working in my business, even though I wanted it. And even though it was a revenue stream. There were times where I said no, because I needed to have more space to double down on what I felt could grow or scale. And so at this point in my career, the fortuitous, amazing, luxurious position for me to say, I have opportunities come to me now that I would have given my right arm for seven years ago, <laughs> but they are not in alignment. And so saying no leaves me the biggest opportunity to say yes, when I know it will move me forward in not one way. I'm talking about taking two X leap forwards. And if I don't think that that opportunity is in alignment, I will say no. And so far, so far saying no and saying yes has come at such a great distinction that I am learning to trust my intuition a lot more because when I say yes, those yeses have had the biggest, most transformative, greatest results in my career. Really? So what do we do? We stack proof. Let me trust that if I say no, and it doesn't make sense that I am saying no to this, that when I find the next opportunity to say yes to, and it comes to fruition in the way that I anticipated, I'm going to start trusting my intuition a lot more. You know, the art of saying no, um, to be able to practice saying no, because there's such guilt in saying no, though, Jasmine. When I say no to something, I, I, I'm letting someone down. And so if, I'm, if I really want to practice this, how do I say no the right way that allows me to still have my power and not feel guilty or shame? <laughs> Where would I go? So this goes back, this goes back to um, what I mentioned earlier. When, you, when somebody can trust you, your no becomes not about them, but about you. And so... I would rather somebody be disappointed, upset, not like me for a hundred percent of my truth than being a carbon copy of who they think I should be and respond in the way that they think is favorable. Because at the end of the day, 
If I feel so obliged or so guilty that I say yes, and I don't show up a hundred percent, I am doing both of us a disservice. And so while I will, would say perhaps no, I simply just speak my truth. And my truth could be a million things right now. Um, I am straddling the line between entrepreneurship and motherhood. So if anything straddles the line, if anything compromises the time that I'd set aside with my husband or my daughter, it's a no. And if somebody would like to be upset about that, I completely understand, but it doesn't matter to me because my priority list is my family above um, a podcast interview, um, uh, a press interview, or an investment opportunity. That is a decision that I made. So it's 100% speaking my truth and then offering alternatives thereafter. That is always the best thing that has come out to be in fruition. Love it. Uh, here's a framework that I'm trying. See if you agree with this or give me some okay. coaching. One of three things. No, or no, not right now, or no, never. As long as in each one, I'm explaining the why behind it, being really clear about why that is the case. Now, would you, are you okay with that? Or what would you have me adjust? I would, um, I would keep the first two. I would just never say, I would never say never. Never say never. Okay. I would never say never because, you know, what, what happens is let's just put this in a, in a pretend um, situation that yeah. I am, I am pitched for an investment. And if I say no, never, I would never get into investing in um, breeding cows because I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> if I say never, if this company decides in the future to pivot and offer a plant-based meat option, uh -huh. I've closed myself off the table. I so I would say, no, it's from. not a fit right now. But as things iterate and change, it leaves me open to those opportunities. So good. So my, for me, a challenge to all of us, and I'll take it as well, is let's practice the art of saying no. She's the queen of no. <laughs> but I, I think there's room for more queens and kings out there. Is that okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, I, I'm in corporate America and I've been there for 30 years and I'm proud of that. And here's the thing though. One of the lessons in leadership, Jasmine, is don't ever, ever, ever show vulnerability. You were loud and proud saying, step into that about be more vulnerable. So tell me more about that. Why do you think that's such a big play? Well, I would like to speak to that specifically in like the corporate setting, because the, the more specific we can get around a situation, the more tactical advice then becomes. And so in a, a corporate setting, what we would like to believe is that people don't sense from human to human our insecurities or fear or doubt or in or when we know we're in over our head. Like I, I was in corporate America for years and yeah. I knew when my manager was freaking out, <laughs> I knew when we were not going to hit our projections, I right. knew when a district manager was coming over to do reviews and it was not going to be good. And so you look at the facts and then what happens is you want to be this like valiant warrior. Like everybody wants to be George Washington on the Potomac, but there had to have been times where he looked at his soldiers and said, it is cold and we don't have shoes and we haven't eaten. He's being vulnerable by stating the freaking truth. Right. You know, it's not he's just saying, like, I'm sucking my thumb in, in our tents at night. Like, he's just saying there is truth in stating the facts, because if you want people to trust you, let's all make sure that we see this the same way, that our projections for the year, it looks like we're going to miss the mark. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm worried we're not going to hit our bonuses. So if we just structure it as that we are all sharing the same set of facts and we're all looking at things the same way. And then you could say. Truth be told, I anticipated this year to be looking different. So I have the last quarter 
to see how much we can make a difference. So I am turning to you saying, I believe that you, Stephanie, are smarter and stronger in this area. And Thomas, I'm going to need you to play different. And I'm going to need you to show up differently so that this department shows up differently. Because as your leader, I need to go to my superiors and let them know that even though we missed it, here's what we did in quarter four. And we're going to carry this momentum into quarter one. Can I get everybody on the same page about that? That is being vulnerable by speaking your truth. And I think that sometimes what happens is as leaders, we want to like paint a different picture than the rest of the team knows as facts. And then you build mistrust or like, are you really that out of tune, brother, that you're not seeing it for what it is? Vulnerability is sharing the same set of facts, letting people know where you have missed the mark and where everybody needs to change and then reset the goal to say we're in this together. I think that changes the dynamic of like a work team relationship. I think that's a great point. All right. So now let's talk about a little bit about social media. Good grief, Jasmine. You've got social media dialed in. Where did you learn the craft of how to create great content on social media? How'd you get there? Um, I want to answer that question, but if I can't, I want to um, unpack something that you had mentioned a little earlier. You had said that I either like I, I have social media down pat or I, I get social media. And I want to be very clear that um, are you familiar at all with the movie or the book series Hunger Games? I am. Okay. So there is the game maker, right? Yes. So Snow creates a game that is always changing and never anticipatory. And that is social media. The algorithm is Snow. And the intention of the game is to always change the game so you never know the rules of the game. Because if you knew the rules, they would then be abused. And this is what happened with MySpace. MySpace set a set of rules, didn't change. And then the platform went null and void because people got it. It was no longer interesting. And part of the human psyche is that things that are complicated or ever changing keep our attention longer. So every social platform is intended to not make it look or feel the same so that you're constantly engaged. And to some people you hear, they hear that and they're like, oh, I'll never catch up. And it'll always right. be awful. And then what? the other half of people are saying, well, for the people who decide to stop the race, I'm going to keep on moving with the race and trying to stay iterative of the game so that I have a chance at crossing a finish line, however you deem that finish line. And so when you say, oh, you got it. And I'm like, no, no, I am simply a person who decided to say with every change and in every iteration, with every algorithm change, with every index rematching of like, are reels more important than carousels or stories now? Do, should I go live? Right. What is happening now that they take away guides? Like there's so much that changes with it. All I'm dedicated to doing is saying, okay, what are the rules today? How shall I play? And I think mm. that's the perspective that I want people to, to, to go into. There's no such thing as mastery with a game that doesn't have a set, a, a set set of rules. So then how do you approach it then? Are you testing and learning and testing and learning? And that goes back down to, well, how did you then create, how did you learn how to create content? By putting in the reps, by just doing, taking a step back, asking myself, what is performing well? What is not performing well? And then simply saying, can I repeat what is performed well? And then I ask myself, can I repeat that again? And I think that statistically, statistically, all of us are going to have, if we decided to post a hundred posts, statistically, we're going to have, I don't know, about two or 3% of posts that do really well, surprisingly well, like, oh, that was, that was crazy. And so if we know that that's the percentage, then my goal is to simply put more inventory into the algorithm so that my two or 3% 
is greater than your two or three percent, not by merit, but by volume. And the way that you can increase that uh, powerful percentage is by putting more, learning more, iterating more, and then trying to reproduce content that has worked well. And so by volume, you get to see, oh, I'm seeing a trend between these, this type of content. Let me try it again. If you get the same results, do it again, do it again, and then do it again until the algorithm changes or a new feature is added. And then you can implement and deploy against those new strategies. But there is no magic box. There is no secret. It is just that, Darren. But as you look at your time, making sure your time is aligned with your values and what the priorities are for your life and for your business, where does social media come in? I'm really wondering how much time, creative effort do you put into social media as, as your own business wanting to help others? How much? If I didn't have a business, I don't think I would be on social media. I, really? I genuinely, oh yeah, no, 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 not at all. It, for Why? me, I look at social media as an avenue to achieve my dreams. And if tomorrow, Darren, every social platform went away and they said that like whistling with whales was how you grow your business, like I would start being like, I am part orca. I would figure it out. So social media is just the tool and the mechanism. I'm not even so much like a fan or an advocate of it. I am just using the free tools available to me and every other human being with an internet connection or a mobile device. <laughs> I'm using the same tool. And so um, from a business perspective, it's very important. Yep. Never before in human history. Um, I am the daughter of an immigrant. I am a Latina. And traditionally, my parents and my grandparents and their parents never had the ability to play the game. What is the game? The game at getting ahead of whatever your predisposed lot in life was. And so then in my lifetime, something comes along that disrupts humans, the world. And that is called the internet. And the internet democratizes everything. News, information, education, accessibility, platforms. It's no longer a group, a small subset of people who do not represent the entirety of the world making decisions on what is cool, what is popular, what should be watched, what the news should be. And then all of a sudden, a microcosm of the internet comes along called social media that then gives everybody an equal voice, which is scary and beautiful, amazing, palpable, disconcerting. And so I just look at this and say, I can look at a shovel in front of me and say, this shovel, it's too heavy. I don't like it. It gives me blisters. Or I can take up the shovel that is heavy. I don't like it and gives me blisters and at least try to mine for gold. And that is how I look at social media in terms of my business. So if we got really tactical and stri strategic about it, I spend one day a month batching my content. Yeah. yeah. I do because, yeah. um, you know, when we context switch as business owners, um, in the corporate world or in, in the entrepreneurial world, we're wearing so many hats and there's so much time in that it's the content context switching of, well, right now I am doing a product management meeting and then I'm going to be doing a one-on-one -on -one consult right. with my team member. And then I got to do vision casting. And then I got to write some content for the newsletter. And then I got to get the, my monthly or quarterly report for the team. And then I got to meet with my mentor. And it's like trying to come up with a, a piece of content right there. And then it's like, your brain is just diffused. And so That's if right. I come through, once a month and I'm like, okay, this is the content that we are creating. Then I am looking at just that days. Okay. Here's the timeline. I need to start creating outlines. I need to start thinking what I want to talk about. What are the trends that I'm seeing? What am I going to sure. say? And on that day, I have no meetings. I am not, I'm not doing anything but content. 
Right. And then once that content is there, then we start streamlining it and planning it out. And then there are things like this, like where we have podcasts. And so this is supplemental content that would then get edited, but it's not a part of a, a predisposed plan of what we're going to do. So it's segmenting when I'm creating the content. And then every day I allocate around 15, 20 minutes to post the content. It might be pre-scheduled. I might be doing it in real time. And during that same 20 minutes, I'm going through, I'm responding to DMs. I am responding to comments. And then right before this conversation. I logged on five minutes early because I thought, well, if Darren is on five minutes early, we'll like chat a little bit. We'll get started a little bit early, but you started right on the dot, which I really appreciate. But in those five minutes, I didn't dilly dally. I brought on my phone. I started responding to DMs within five minutes. I got through about 13 DMs. Am I going to get through really? all of my DMs? I don't know. You know, I try my best, but I do yeah. whatever I can in maximizing that time. So I would say on any given day, I'm spending about an hour to an hour and a half on okay. social. And again, I am doing this and I don't think, I don't think that this is a mandate, but I do think it is beneficial for me as a CEO, because when I'm in my direct messages and when I'm responding to comments, I am really using it as R and D. I get to figure out the language that people are using. I get to see what's resonating with people. I get to say, look, wait, can I connect the dots and create an offer where I can monetize the things that I'm learning within yeah. people giving me direct feedback? So <laughs> I don't look at it as like, oh, I want to be popular. I look at this, I want to be profitable. So how then do I create products and services that serve people right where they are? By using their own language, by using their own request, by me being able to distill what it is they're saying and offer something that I think is a distillation of everything I've learned and serve it up to them in the way that they want. Very good. Very good. And you're telling me I missed I missed out on chatting with you for five minutes before the podcast? Darren, your loss. Your loss. But somebody else's direct message gain, you know? <laughs> and there's no way you're you're an introvert. You've seen, you're not an introvert. There's no oh, way. Oh, um, I'm an outgoing, I'm an outgoing introvert, which means I do nobody any favors by showing up to your podcast with me making sure that I'm comfortable. If I keep myself a priority, if I keep my comfort a priority, I am not serving the people who are spending their time listening to you and me have this conversation. Jasmine, uh, what you don't know is that I have podcast envy because I'm looking, yeah, we talked about it right before we started broadcast. I want that microphone. I see your stand. I mean, social comparison is everywhere and I'm doing it right now, <laughs> but give us just a, just a quick advice. We just look around us and we see everyone else having more success than we are having. How do you avoid social comparison? Oh, before I do that, Darren, my, my podcast mic stand is on 1395 from Amazon. It is not. It, it is. It's gotta be $300. And no, 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 no. Well, the, this, 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 this thing right here, the, the podcast <laughs> yes. stand is 1395, like $13.95. <laughs> and there is a, a ripped out piece of cardboard box because it doesn't exactly clamp on my desk. And so what you don't see is this wrapped up cardboard to make sure it's clamping down correctly. <laughs> don't ruin and it for me, Jasmine. My don't mic, my me. mic is a heel. And brother, you got a heel too. I think I got the slightly nicer version, but I'm talking about a hundred dollar difference. And if my back of the napkin math calculations, I'm sure you could probably upgrade a little bit hundred. So we're talking about a hundred dollar envy that looks like a thousand dollar difference and is not. So when it comes to comparison, we gotta be dealing facts with facts. What right, you did you're, you're was right. you make up a story about what it looks like, how different it is for you when in all in actuality, we're looking about $113 difference. Well, well said, well said. Okay, so, I'll let it go. But let's actually get into, but let's actually get into a three-part comparison framework. Comparison takes the form, normally what I've seen by coaching tens of thousands of people is that comparison takes three forms, mental, emotional, and physical. Mental, I am not they, them, or that. 
I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too black. I'm too white. I'm too young. I'm too old. My nose is too big. My nose is too small. I'm too tall. I'm too short. So because I am not them, I cannot do what it is that I do. And who am I to be saying these things? And I am here to tell you that there is somebody in the world who needs to hear it from you in your specific way. Not everybody wants the same information from a celebrity, somebody with a tiny waist, a fancy car, a private jet, that somebody in your footsteps, just three feet behind you, wants to know how you are doing it with where you are right now. And if you don't share that, you're robbing God, the universe, and them of the message you've been put here to share. Then the second part is emotional. Now, I know people don't wake up in the morning and they say, you know what? I'm not enough today. No, no, no. But this comparison of not enoughness often takes the form of that dream. It's just a little too big for me. I actually secretly low key don't think that I can actually do it. I want it, but I don't think I can actually do that. And so if you choose to believe that that choice is then yours, but I come to believe that you would not be given that dream if you didn't have it in you to succeed. The question is whether or not you will be successful. The question is whether or not you will go through the dark valleys and the dark days and the cold nights of you getting punched in the gut and then getting to get back up again. Now, the third form of comparison is physical. I don't have that zip code. I am not vacationing there. My kids are not that perfect. There's a pile of laundry and I just burnt dinner. Like I don't, me physically as a person cannot do what those other people do. I don't have that house and I don't have that car. And I am here to remind people that there is somebody with less who is doing more. And if somebody in, in the African slums can go viral and create content and put up a song on SoundCloud and find a way to move their family from the slums into a different area of South Africa, if there is somebody in the Andean jungle who can create music with old pieces of plastic and put it out, if there is somebody in a dark, tiny hotel room or a motel room without very much money and can turn on a camera and simply talk about the mindset it's going to take for them to get from where they are to where they want to be. If somebody can do that, then you could do a little bit more. And I have no doubt about that, but it's a choice. You will either choose to compare the emotional, the physical, or the mental. That choice is yours. But again, if you make the choice to compare, own it, own it and say, I am choosing to compare and I'm choosing to succumb to the power of comparison, or you say, I'm going to choose not to compare. And I'm going to say that in this moment, I'm enough and I will try my best and I will do what I can with what I have. Love it, Jasmine. Mic drop and right back to power again. So Jasmine, what is the best way to follow you and all the cool things you're up to? Where should we go? Thank you, Darren. You can find me at jasminestar.com and on Jasmine Star on all social platforms. So Jasmine, at the end of each podcast, I ask my guest, what is your I dare you challenge for all of us? I can't wait for this. You would dare us to do what to live a better life? I dare you to live as if your dream has already happened. Who are you? What decisions did you make to get there? What thoughts did you choose to believe? And how did you show up to get that level of success? If you believe that that has already happened, you start making those decisions now and you start behaving that way right now. It's a great challenge. Great challenge. I'm going to go buy that stand on Amazon. <laughs> you have, you've given us so much to think about, and it has just been a real treat to get to know you. Thanks for being on the podcast, Jasmine. Darren, thank you. You bless me. Thank you. Okay, that was episode 100. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed getting to know Jasmine. And what plans do you have to show up bigger in business and in life? What's the one thing, not 10 things, the one thing that you plan on implementing today based on this interview with Jasmine? There's a lot to choose from. I was really intrigued by her insights into saying no and being the queen of no and how saying no more often allows you to say yes to the things that really matter. 
That is something that I plan on implementing. Another thing that I just thought was really great was the discussion on power. Everybody, here's, here's something that I believe to be true, and I know it to be true. People have as much power as you give them. And people treat you as you train them to treat you. So who are you giving too much power to in your life? And are you training people to treat you in a certain way that gives up your power? It's in how you behave. It's the language you use. It's, it's how you approach situations. Remember, this is your life and your goals. So step into your power, own what you want, defend it, protect it, and do not give it up. And as Jasmine said, one of the ways to do that is be authentically you. Okay, if you enjoyed this episode, a couple things. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Many of you already are. I don't want you to miss a single episode. Also, if you liked what you heard, share this with family and friends. Who are you thinking of right now that needs this message, especially as we close out 2023 and we are gearing up for a brand new year? How to show up bigger in business and in life? There's a lot of people who need this message. Think about your contact list, family and friends and share this episode with them. They're going to thank you for it. Make sure you follow Jasmine Starr on Instagram and also on the website. Also follow us on Instagram, at IDareYouPod, a great community. And there you can find a lot of value-added insights, how you can become the best version of yourself and how you can play bigger in business and in life. And also you're going to find video snippets of this interview with Jasmine and it is the best way to communicate with me. DM me and I get back to every one of my DMs. So join us at IDareYouPod on Instagram and I'll meet you there. Thanks for tuning in on this one. Episode 101 next week is going to be with me. I'm flying this thing solo, and we're going to talk about lessons learned over the previous 100 episodes. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to spend a few minutes with you solo. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you back here next week on the I Dare You podcast. Thanks for being part of the show. We'll see you then.